Chapter 4 of The Homesteader. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Blanchard. The Homesteader by Oscar Mugeau. Epoch the Second. Orlean. Oh, Mama, cried Orlean E. McCarthy, coming hastily from the hallway into the room where her mother sat sewing, and handing her a note. Mr. Baptiste is in the city and wishes to call at the earliest possible convenience. Indeed, replied her mother, affecting a serious expression. This is rather sudden. Have you sent him word when he could? Yes, Mama, I wrote him a note and returned it by the boy that brought this one, that he could call at two o'clock. Her mother's gaze sought the clock automatically. And it is now past one, she replied. You will have to get ready to receive him, she advised ceremoniously. All right, Mama, said Orlean cheerfully, and suddenly bending forward, kissed her mother impulsively upon the cheek, and a moment later hurried upstairs. What is this I hear about somebody coming to call? inquired another, coming into the room at that moment. Mrs. McCarthy looked upon recognizing the voice of her younger daughter, Ethel, who now stood before her. She gave a perceptive start as she did so, and swallowed before she replied. In the meantime, the other stood, regarding her rather severely, as was her nature. She was very tall, was Ethel, and because she was so very thin, she appeared really taller than she was. She did not resemble her mother who was a dumpy, light-brown-skinned woman. She was part Indian, and possessed a heavy head of hair, which, when let down, fell over her shoulders. Ethel, on the other hand, was somewhat darker, had a thin face, with hair that was thick, but rather short and bushy. Her eyes were small and dark, out of which she never seemed to look straight at one. They appeared always to be lurking and without any expression unless it was an expression of dislike. Forsooth, she was a known disagreeable person, ostentatious, pompous, and hard to get along with. She was a bride of a few weeks, and was then resting after a short honeymoon spent in Racine, Wisconsin, sixty miles north of Chicago. Why, Mr. Baptiste is coming. Coming to call on your sister. He has been corresponding with her for some time, you understand. Her mother returned in her mild, trained manner. Oh, echoed Ethel, apparently at a loss whether to be pleased or displeased. She was as often one way as the other, so her mother was apprehensive of something more. I think you have met him, have you not? Her mother inquired. Yes, I've met him, admitted Ethel, last winter while teaching. And what do you think of him, my dear? Well, he has some ways I don't like. What ways, please? She had started to say, naturally, but thought better of it. Oh, he does not possess the dignity I like in a man. Struck me as much too commonplace. Oh, her mother grunted. She was acquainted with Ethel's disposition, which was extremely vain. She loved pomp and ceremony, and admired very few people. What's he calling to see Orlean for? Her mother looked up in some surprise. She regarded her daughter keenly. Why, my dear? 
why do you ask such a question why do young men call to see any young ladies both turned at this moment to see orlean coming down the stairway and attention was fastened upon her following all dolled up to meet your farmer commented ethel with a touch of envy in her voice in truth she was envious her husband was just an ordinary fellow that is he was largely what she was making of him it was said that she had found no other man who was willing to tolerate her evil temper and that perhaps was why she had married him while with him he had been anxious to marry her to satisfy his social ambition although an honest hard-working fellow he had come of very common stock from the backwoods of tennessee where his father had been a crude untrained preacher he had come to chicago and had met and married her after a courtship of six years you look very nice my dear said her mother addressing orlean between the two children there was a great difference although older orlean was by far the more timid by disposition an obedient girl in every way she had never been known to cross her parents and had the happy faculty of making herself generally liked while ethel invited disfavor she was not so tall as ethel and while not as short as her mother she was heavier than either she was the image of her father who was dark although not black after her mother she had taken her hair which while not as fine was nevertheless heavy black and attractive her eyes were dark like her mother's which were coal black they were small and tender her expression was very frank but she had inherited her mother's timidness and was subservient unto her father and in a measure unto her youngest sister ethel she was a year older than the man who was coming to see her and had never had a bow do i look all right mamma she asked turning so that she might be seen all around yes my dear the other replied she always used the term my dear she had been trained to say that when she was a young wife and had never gotten out of the habit now sit down my daughter she said judiciously and before the young man comes to call on you tell me all about him yes and leave out nothing interposed ethel she is talking to your mother ethel you will do her a favor by going to your room until it's over advised their mother oh well if i'm not wanted then i'll go spit out ethel wickedly whereupon she turned and hastened up the stairs to her room and slammed the door behind her ethel has such a temper her mother sighed deplorably she is so different from you dear you are like your mother while she well she has her father's ways papa is not as mean as ethel defended orlean ever obedient to her mother yet always upholding her father it mattered not what the issue her mother sighed again shifting in her chair and said no more on that subject she knew the father better than orlean and would not argue she had been trained not to now where did you meet mr baptiste my dear she began where i taught last winter mother she replied obediently and how did you come to meet him daughter why he was calling on a girlfriend of mine and i happened along while he was there and the girl introduced us hm was that the first time you had seen him no i had met him on the street when he was on the way down there i see did he speak to you on the street oh no mother 
he did not know me but he might have spoken anyhow but he was a gentleman and he never spoke she paused briefly and then her voice a trifle lower said of course he looked at me but well any man would do that we must grant that men are men how were you impressed with him when you met him later at this friend's house well i don't know returned orlean hesitatingly he seemed to be a great talker was very commonplace dressed nicely but not showily he knew quite a few people in chicago that we know and was born near the town in which i met him he was just returning from new york and well i rather admired him he is far above the average colored man i can say hmm her mother mused thoughtfully and with an air of satisfaction she couldn't think of anything more to say just then and upon looking at the clock which showed ten minutes of two she said well you had better go in the parlor and after he has called when convenient call me and permit me to meet him you will be careful my dear and understand that we have raised you to be a lady and exercise your usual dignity yes mamma on the hour the street door bell was pulled with a jerk and arising orlean went toward the door expectantly oh how do you do she cried a moment later her face lighted with a radiant smile as she extended her hand and allowed it to rest in that of jean baptiste's miss mccarthy he cried with her hand in one of his and his hat in the other he entered the door may i take your hat asked orlean and taking it placed it on the hall tree in the meantime his habitually observing eyes were upon her and when she turned she found him regarding her closely come right into the parlor please mr baptiste and be seated she hesitated between the davenport and the chairs while he without ado chose the davenport and became seated and the look he turned upon her commanded more than words that she too be seated with a little hesitation she finally sank on the davenport at a conventional distance beside him i was not certain judging by your last letter just when you would get here she began timidly he regarded her out of his searching eyes attentively he was weighing her in the balance he saw in those close glances what kind of a girl she was apparently for after a respite he relaxed audibly but kept his eyes on her nevertheless i was not set myself he said i am so rushed these days that i do not know always just what comes next but i am glad that i am here at last and to see you looking so well they exchanged the usual words about the weather and other conventional notes and then she called her mother mamma i wish you to meet mr baptiste mr baptiste this is my mother mr baptiste said her mother giving him her hand i'm glad to know you the same here madam he returned cheerfully guess your health is good very good i'm glad to say they talked for a time and all were cheered to find themselves so agreeable i think i can slightly recall your people mr baptiste her mother remarked thoughtfully my husband dr mccarthy she said giving him an honorable term pastored the church in the town near where you were born many years ago 
I do say, he echoed noncommittally. Do you recall it? she asked. He appeared to be thinking. He hardly knew what to say. Then, after some deliberation, he brightened and said, I think I do. I was very young then, but I think I do recall your husband. Your name, the name of your family has always remained in my mind, said she, then reflectively. Indeed, it is a rather peculiar name. It is so, I should say, she cried. If it is quite fair, may I ask where or how your father came by such a name? Oh, it is very simple. My father, of course, was born a slave like most, almost all Negroes, previous to the war, and took the name from his master, who I suppose was of French descent. Oh, that explains it. Of course that is natural. Hmm, but it's a beautiful name, I must say. He smiled. It is an illustrious name also, she commented further. But the man who carries it in this instance is much to the contrary, notwithstanding. He laughed depreciatingly. It is a very beautiful day without, my dear, she said, addressing her daughter, and perhaps Mr. Baptiste might like to walk out and see some of the town. I most assuredly would, he cried, glad of something for a change. He was restless, and estimated that if he felt the air with her at his side, it might help him. Orlina rose, went upstairs, and returned shortly wearing a large hat that set off her features. He rather liked her under it, and when they walked down the street together, he was conscious of an air of satisfaction. Where would you like to go? she asked as they neared the intersection. For a car ride on the elevated, he replied promptly. Then we will go right down this street. This is 33rd, and there's an elevated station a few blocks from here. They walked along leisurely. She listened attentively while he talked freely of the West, his life there, and what he was doing. When they reached the L, he assisted her upstairs to the station, and in so doing touched her arm for the first time. The contact gave him a slight sensation, but he felt more easy when they had entered the car and taken a seat together. A moment later they were gazing out over the great city below as the car sped through the air. It was growing dark when they returned, and she invited him to dinner. He accepted, and thereupon met Ethel and her husband. Ethel was all pomp and ceremony, while her husband, with his cue from her, acted in the same manner, and they rather bored Jean-Baptiste with their airs. He was glad when the meal was over. He followed Orlean back to the parlour, where they took a seat on the Davenport again, and drew closer to her this time. Soon she said, Do you play? Lord, no, he exclaimed, but I shall be glad to listen to you. I can't play much, she said modestly, but I will play what little I know. Thereupon she became seated and played and sang, he thought very well. After she had played a few pieces, she turned and looked up at him, and he caught the full expression of her eyes. He could see that they were tender eyes, eyes behind which there was not apparently the force of will that he desired. But Orlean McCarthy was a fine girl. She was fine because she was not wicked, because she was intelligent and had been carefully reared. She was fine because she had never cultivated the society of undesirable or common people. 
but she was not a fine girl because she had a great mind or great ability or because she had done anything illustrious and this jean baptiste a judge of human nature could readily see but he would marry her he would be good to her and she would he hoped never have cause to regret having married him and thereupon he bent close to her took her chin in his hand and kissed her upon the lips she turned away when he had done this in truth she was not expecting such from him and knew not just how to accept it her lips burned with a new sensation she had a peculiar feeling about the heart she arose and went to the piano and her fingers wandered idly over the keys as she endeavoured to still her beating heart shortly she felt his hand upon her shoulder and she turned to hear him say won't you come back into the parlour i would like to speak to you she consented without hesitation and arising followed him timidly back to the seat they had occupied a few minutes before again seated he drew closely but did not design to place his arm about her looked toward the rear of the house where the others were and seeing that the doors were closed between them sighed lightly and turned to her now miss mccarthy he began evenly i am going to say something to you that i have never said to a woman before he paused while she waited with abated breath i haven't known you long but that is not the point what i should say is that in the view of our brief correspondence it will perhaps appear rather bold of me to say what i wish to yet there comes a time in life where circumstances alter cases now to be frank i have always regarded matrimony as a business proposition and while sentiment is a very great deal in a way business considerations should be the first expedient she was all attention she was peculiarly thrilled it was wonderful to listen to him she thought and not for anything would she interrupt him but what did he mean what was he going to say well i miss mccarthy need a wife i want a wife but my life has not been lived where social intercourse with girls of my race has been afforded as you might understand she nodded understandingly sympathetically her woman's nature was to sympathize and what she did was only natural with all women it has not been my privilege to know any girl of my race intimately i am not as i sit here beside you able to consciously or truly go to one and say i love you dear and want you to be my wife in the conventional sense therefore can i be forgiven if i say to you if i ask you miss mccarthy and so saying he turned to her his face serious to become my wife he had paused and her soul was afire was this a proposal or was it a play for a time she was afraid to say anything she wouldn't say no and she was afraid to say yes until well until she was positive that he had actually asked her to marry him as it was she hesitated but it was so wonderful she thought it was so beautiful to be so near such a wonderful young man such a strong young man the young men she had known had not been like this one and really she wanted to marry she was twenty-six and since her sister had married she had found life lonely 
to be a man's wife and go and live alone with him must be wonderful she was a reader and he had sent her books in all books and life and everything there was love and love always had its climax in a place where one lived alone with a man oh glorious she was ready to listen to anything he had to say now i do not profess love to you miss mccarthy in trying to make this clear i could not and be truthful and i have always tried to be truthful indeed i could not feel very happy i am sure unless i was truthful to pretend that which i am not is hypocrisy and i despise a hypocrite i am an owner of land in the west and i believe you will agree with me that it behoves any negro to acquire all he can we are such a race of paupers we own so little and have such little prestige thankfully i am at present on the high road to success and because of that i want a wife a dear kind girl as a mate the most natural thing in the world she nodded unaware what he was saying had not been said to her in that way but the way he said it was so much to the point she had not been trained to observe that which was practical indeed her father was regarded as a most impractical man but she liked this man beside her now and was anxious for him to go on he did i own five hundred and twenty acres of very valuable land and have consummated a deal for four hundred and eighty more acres this land is divided into tracts of a hundred and sixty acres each and must be homesteaded before the same is patented now my grandmother and also a sister are already in the west and i will homestead on two places the other i have arranged for you the proceeding is simple it will be necessary only for you to journey out west file on this land as per my directions after which we can be married any time after and we can then live together on your claim do you understand i think so she said a bit flatteringly now my dear do not feel that i am a chatterbatterer we can simply acquire a valuable tract of land by this process and be as we would under any other circumstances once you are out there all would be very plain to you but at this distance it is perhaps foreign to you that i understand she looked up into his face trustingly right then she wanted him to kiss her it was all so irregular but he was a man and she was a maid and she had never had a love he seemed to understand and passionately he caught her to him and kissed her many many times it was all over then as far as she was concerned she had not said yes or no with words but her lips had been her consent and she knew she would love him it was the happiest hour in the simple life she had lived and she was ready to become his forever End of chapter four epoch the second orlean